praise the Lord. If you are thankful that he's your living hope, can you say amen? amen. I tell you, I love the songs that make fun of death. You know, it's an amazing thing. The fact that the thing that brought us the most fear, Jesus Christ, came. He was buried and rose again. That truth of the good news is that which needs to be spread across this land, across this world. And I just hope by God's grace that my life can be simply a living sacrifice to Him. That He would be honored and glorified. That I have the opportunity to be able to share forth this beautiful, beautiful news. Well, I thank you so much for being here at the conference tonight. I know on a Friday there's a lot of different things going on. Obviously, it's a bit different than your normal routine or whatever it is, but so grateful you are here. With that being said, though, I know that we've been, been preliminaries, and you probably got a little bit of a glimpse into what we do in Central America, but I tell you, more important than any of that is the Word of God. I'm a Bible preacher. I believe the Word of God is that which is going to change your heart. So with that being said, we're going to jump right into the text here this evening. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter number 10. Luke, chapter number 10 is where we're going to be. Thank you so much for the, the good meal, the fellowship that we've had together. I know it's probably it's been a bit since I've spoken here or whatever it be, but understand this. You know, I, I do talk a little fast, and some of you are already looking at me with big bug eyes, but I do talk a little bit fast, but that means I finish quickly, all right? So with that being said, I want there to be a, a truth that a story that I know is very common. But I do want to make sure that the application as we see what we're getting ready to see in just a moment that we do not, just because something is familiar, sometimes you might overlook something that is an absolute importance. So with that being said, in Luke chapter number 10, maybe you've gotten there, maybe you've not, but I want us to look at a story that is here, in 20, starting in verse number 25, and we're going to read the story that is often referred to as the Good Samaritan. Let's go ahead and begin reading in verse number 25. The Bible says this, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering and said, said Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now, before we go any further, you know, I just don't want to read scripture arbitrarily. We're going to get to the story. But just so you know what's happening, all right? This lawyer is pretty much a smart guy. They're always trying to take Jesus and use his words to hang him and then say he says something he didn't say or whatever the situation is. He comes and he tempts Jesus. And as he's coming to Jesus, he asks the question, What must I do to inherit eternal life. Did I, did I turn the mic on? Is everything here? Something like, yeah, it's on, buddy. All right. I, I thought I was getting a wave there from the back. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus' answer might make us think that Jesus is, is saying about work salvation because it's talking about, well, then, you know, what's the law? What does it say? And he said, the summary of the law in verse 27, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus, in verse 28, said to him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. Now, obviously, to keep the law is an impossibility. But apparently, this man thought he had it covered. <laughs> he thought he was perfect. <laughs> he thought that this aspect of keeping the law, I've got that. Another guy had this conversation with Jesus, too. It was this guy who was this uh, rich young ruler. And, and he came to Jesus and he asked a similar question. And Jesus like, oh, so you perfect, right? How about you go sell everything you had to the poor? And he said, let's not get crazy now. Do you know what Jesus was trying to sell him? 
you have a need. You're not awesome, <laughs> you know? This guy didn't even leave the, the train. He didn't leave the train station. He's at a point where he's saying, you know what? I've kept all the law. But part of the law was loving your neighbor. So this aspect of loving God, he felt he had a strong argument that he could prove that he loved God. But love your neighbor. It would depend on who the neighbor is. Because, you see, other people look and say, well, I know you. You don't love your neighbor because, depending on who it was, because as he was walking into the synagogue or wherever that day, if there was a guy who was saying, can I please have some money, and he kind of blew him off and said some unkind words to him, then if that's the neighbor, then we know he doesn't love his neighbor. And so what he's trying to do is, the Bible says he's trying to justify himself. He's trying to say, okay, okay, Jesus, all right, so I love you, I love God, love God, we got that covered, I'm awesome. And on top of that, loving neighbor. Well, who exactly is my neighbor, you know? Now, Jesus knew that there would be an Adrian in the world, so he had to tell a story to be able to explain what he meant. And with that being said, he began this story in verse 30. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, departed and leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave him to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. All right. Right before we look into this, let's pray. I, I want us to be able to understand the story. I do want to make a point about who exactly lives in our neighborhood church. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for all of your goodness to us. Well, I pray that you'd empty me of myself and fill thy spirit to say things you'd have me to say. Well, I pray, Lord, that you would just use your word to do only what you can. Lord, we want to obviously expose missions. We want it to be something that, Lord, we hear and, Lord, we kind of hide in our heart. But I pray that we would not ignore the people that you have placed in our neighborhood. I pray that you use your word to do only that you can. Thank you for all that you've done and will do. In Christ, we do pray to Amen. Amen. So as he begins the story, I know many of you are familiar with, familiar with it, but can we at least just go through some certain aspects of this story? So what's taking place, obviously, is this man is going down on a trip and he gets beaten up. Now, uh, well, we're in Honduras. I don't know what it's like in Argentina specifically, but unfortunately, due to the number of people walking in vehicles, there's a lot of people who are hit by vehicles. You'll see many people that will be killed on the side of the road. In fact, when we pulled in in January this, earlier this year, uh, they were already taking and covering somebody's shit on a sheet and covering them up because they had been killed by a vehicle um, as they were making their way walking different times. And so I want you to understand this. that When you look, think about the story that gets from this guy getting beat up and left uh, on the road half dead, I mean, this is a brutal sight. This is, this is not pleasant. I mean, you have a person who was beaten to nearly death. So just as you would be uncomfortable, I know it's easy to look at the end of the story and be like, I would have done something. But let's just make sure we understand the scene. A person is on the side of the road. They've been beaten to death. Then we see that there's three people who walk by. 
So we're just going to define them by the verbs that they did. The, what the first person that we see that comes by is the priest. The priest did two things. He saw and then he passed. So he sees the man half dead, obviously a gruesome sight. The first thing he does, he sees and then he passes by. Now let me be the defense attorney for every one of these people because I think that we think to ourselves that sometimes we would never do a thing like that. Let us not pretend that we do not get in such a hurry, okay? Let us, when's the last time that you've been at a red light and it lasted longer than a minute and a half before you are already getting ready to lose your mind, right? Like, we are typically always in a hurry. This priest, no doubt, was in a hurry going to wherever he was. Now, with that being understood, I want you to understand that, I mean, with that being understood, then there's the other person, the Levite, he did three things. He came, he looked, and then he passed. He came in this idea of pondering, like, should I get involved? Now, you know, in COVID times and different things, we are all familiar with the lingo of quarantine. Now, with that being said, if this Levite and priest, whatever level they were, I mean, again, we can only conjecture, but if they were to touch this man, they would become unclean, which would mean they could forfeit their rights altogether. Let's just say they're on a trip. If they touch this man, the place that they are getting ready to go and maybe speak at or whatever, they would have to quarantine, right? They wouldn't even be allowed to do it. So if they get involved with this man, they forfeit anything they're getting ready to do on the other side. So, as people are listening to the story, Jesus has obviously onlookers who are just listening and thinking to themselves a thought like this. So you mean to tell me, I don't know all this, this synagogue stuff, I don't know, but you mean to tell me that the top dogs in the church, you telling me that their religion is so binding they can't even help a dying man on the side of the road. I mean, that's what the, little, the, the truth of the matter is. They come and they're like, wait a second. Like, I don't know everything about what you people do. I don't know how you do your service. I don't know how you do inside. But I'm just saying, doesn't it make sense that you should be able to at least help a dying man on the side of the road? And so, obviously, the irony is strong. Then we introduce the Samaritan. Because again, just going through the story, the Samaritan was culturally different, religiously different, considered the enemy by many. He was on a journey. You find that later on he gave up his transportation. As he gives up the transportation, he then places the guy on top of his donkey. He takes the man over. Remember, the man's half dead. Remember, he takes him over to an inn. So do you know what he does? He even pays for his health care. There's not a hospital. He pays for this man to stay at this place and be nursed and brought back. So... How long does that take? Well, it's probably more than two nights at the day's end. You probably think that this man put a large sum of money down. And in fact, he had such good credit that he could go to the man who was the innkeeper and say this. Here's how long I'm going to pay. And if you go over what I've paid, then I will come back in return. I will then come and pay you back. So this man who was half dead who was a stranger to the Samaritan, has literally had his entire, from half dead to at least walking out of the room, absolutely free from a perfect stranger. It's interesting. Now, I, know, I don't want to stay here all day, but I do want to at least point out two things of what the Samaritan did not do or what he did not receive. I never read, and again, we don't want to live here, but I think it's a fair point. You never hear him get thanked. 
You never hear the guy say, oh, you're such a blessing. Thank you so much for being a blessing to me. I mean, I really, I know this is a lot for you to be able to do this. I, know, I mean, because I know that you're so busy, you're probably really, he never said a thing. Never said a thing. The guy never gave thanks, never got a thank you card. Just did it. In fact, I don't even see where we say the good Samaritan. I just say a Samaritan. We say good because that's so awesome, but it should just be Christian, you know? But regardless, you never see this too either. You never see that the Samaritan grabs his cell phone, then takes a selfie with the man on the side of the road and be like, helping selfie, helping the man on the side of the road today, you know? Like, he didn't use the man as a token. He didn't use what he was doing to the individual to prop up his own agenda. He just helped the man on the side of the road. No one had to know. It did not have to be announced. It's just what he did. You know, again, again, I don't want to stay where he did. I mean, as far as what he didn't do. But anyway, so Jesus tells a story. So as Jesus then comes to the end of the story, he then finishes up. And then it says, when the Mari departed, he took out the two pence, gave it to the host. And then you see the rest of the story. And then Jesus asks a question. So he then tells a story. Then he asks a question, verse 36. Which now of these... These three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And he said, the lawyer, he that showed mercy on him. Now, I know this might this be being, be me being picky, but I looked to him and I says, that's not the right answer. If you're asked a question in class, Jesus gave three people, the priest, the lawyer, Samaritan, okay? The answer is what? Samaritan. The boy couldn't even get out of his mouth. <laughs> I'm not going to let the Samaritan be the hero in this story. I can't let that person that Whatever his reasoning is, he can't even answer the question that Jesus gave. Whether it's prejudice or whatever the reason is. But then you find, and then obviously he that showed mercy, and Jesus said unto him, go and do likewise. So then Jesus shows forth who is your neighbor. So for us, who is my neighbor? And my neighbor, my definition is a providentially positioned person whom I intervene on on the behalf to exhibit God's love. See, here's, let's keep a word in mind. Providence, providence, providence. God knows exactly what is going to take place in your life. God knows exactly at what red light you will stop at tomorrow on your way to wherever you are going. He knows every detail of the details that our minds cannot even comprehend. Providence. So God knows every human interaction we shall have. And do you know in, within those human actions, interactions, those are the people in your neighborhood. Two groups in your neighborhood. Really quickly, number one, taken from where I was talking about the priest, the first group in your neighborhood, number one, are the people that I ignore. They are still in my neighborhood. The priest came and he saw and for whatever reason chose not to get involved. Do you know there's groups of people in our country, in our world, that we just straight up as children of God Ignore. 
It's just a fact, like it's like, it's one of those things where whatever we feel like the cost will be too great or whatever the situation is, but it's easier since we can't do it, because if I can't do it right, I'm not going to do it. If that's going to be the mentality, then what takes place is that many times we walk by groups of people and we totally ignore them. I think about so many groups. I, I, was, um, I am extremely passionate and burdened for trafficked victims. People that are in. And I think that many of us would be aware that trafficking happens. You see the signs. You see government regulations trying to bring these things down. And do you know what's taking place in the Christian community? We have totally ignored it. <laughs> you say, well, what, Adrian, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to join a support group? What do you want me to do? No, but here's a fair question. Have you prayed for traffic victims? Has once in our prayer life, have we chosen to pray for something that does not involve me? You see, we are naturally selfish. I don't care about having a handicap ramp until I need a handicap ramp. I don't care about what divorce care is about until I am involved in divorce care. I don't give a rip what happens inside of rest homes until one day I am looking at being in a rest home. What I'm pointing out is that many times we care nothing about things that do not directly affect us. And do you know that those people that are inside of each of these subculture groups that I speak of are still people that are within my neighborhood. You know, you, you say, but Adrian, the world's so large, the world's so big. How can I then be able to meet every need? I think it starts by on my knees about every single one of the issues that we know of of our time. You can make the list as long as you choose. But I'm saying is I doubt very seriously that you will ever be burdened for a country you've never heard of. I doubt very seriously you will consider volunteering at a shelter that you've never heard of. I doubt it that we would ever say, sign me up for foster care and taking care of someone else's children if we never pray about it. What I'm saying is, before we think we got to do X, Y, and Z, how about our prayer life reflect all of the people that are in our neighborhood. The culture of the church is many times, sadly enough, about ourselves. One day when I preach my last message, and I know it's my final one, do you know what the title will be? The day the church became a business. We didn't care about ourselves. Well, is that going to advance us? Is that going to put us in the spotlight? Is that going to make us more influential? What have we become? It's almost like these people that are here in this, in this story, and they're like, hold up, you're telling me that you're religion? Like, I don't even know your religion, but your religion is so binding, you can't even help? Somebody who's freezing cold out your door? Like, like is this really what we've come to? Number one, the people I ignore. But also... One other group, from the Levite's perspective, the people that I abhor. You know what happens? So the Levite comes. The, 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 the Levite, I mean, sorry, the, the priest, he just ignores him. Yeah, it's gone. He's like, ugh, should I, should I not? Ah, in some ways, he's even probably repulsed at what he sees. You know what's interesting? There are certain groups of people that I find in church as I preach around. 
So, again, this is just so you get context. I do not know what it's like to be like, you know, your pastor or somebody like that who's in one place for a long period of time. I don't know what that feeling's like, right? But I do have this. The only thing I have is I'm behind 50 different pulpits in a year, right? So I know what it's like to kind of talk to a lot of different churches and kind of be involved in those kind of things, right? And so since that's my only, like, reference points that I have, you know what I notice is that on Sundays or whatever it is, on Sunday mornings, you know, you have a, a random assortment of groups of people that just make their way to church. Like, um, I have a friend who's, uh, who is a straight-up agnostic, hates God, who doesn't believe in God whatsoever, but he likes coming to church um, because he enjoys, because he says this, is that the people at the church treat him better than his own family. And so even though he doesn't even believe in God, and in fact, he'll sit in the, I argue with him literally for hours, <laughs> you know, going back and forth. I stopped even arguing with the man. I just said, you know, one day you need to be able to see Jesus. But do you know what? I, I want him to be able to see Jesus inside of me, and, but he continues to come to church. But do you know what's interesting? That I, as I make observations, I see agnostics, I see people that struggle with different addictions, and I'm not going to try to give a list. But do you know who I am especially burdening for specifically? I really have trouble because one group I do not see is the LGBT community. Like, just, just stumble into church on a Sunday morning. Just stumble in. You know why? I, 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 I try to put it together. Like, like, come on. Like, I see literally every group of people in the building on a random Sunday morning, maybe somebody just coming in and they're struggling with an addiction. They just plop themselves down on the back row and they just say, bro, I don't even know why I'm here. I just need some help. That's happened a many a time. But from, not from that group of people, surprisingly enough. You know what I think sometimes takes place is this. Is that... Sometimes Christians, as we are ministering, that sometimes we subconsciously grab our hazmat suit depending on what sin we're talking about. And suddenly we forget the fact that Christ saved me. That here is the question I ask of you. What sin then makes you go, oh, there's one for sure. You know, I told you I'm, I'm so against track thinking. But do you know what God spoke to my heart about literally two nights ago? And I'll tell you, I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning helping Jesus out. I told my wife, I was like, I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning helping Jesus about, out about something. And as I was thinking about trafficking, you know what God spoke to my heart about? Adrian, what about the people who trafficked them? Would you preach the gospel to them? <sighs> New ball game, right? A little bit easier for the vulnerable. But the guys who did it? You know, even the ones I abhor. And some people say this. Oh, well, Brother Adrian, I hear you. Here's what you're saying. You say, Brother Adrian, I hear you saying, but, you know, here I am. And, and, and I'm almost done, but I just at least highlight this portion of it. But some people say, you know, Brother Adrian, I hear what you're saying, but I tell you what, I just, I, look, I, I hate the sinner, I love the sinner. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Okay, okay. I've said the same thing. But, you know, for every statement that's not inside the Bible, I always think about it for a long time, right? And as I'm thinking about it, now, maybe you pull it off, and that's pretty awesome. But do you know what? I love my wife, and I don't even love her right. So you are telling me that for somebody who disgusts you, you have the awesome spirit of God dwelling so deeply that you can divide it so carefully that you can love them. <laughs> Despise and abhor. Look, maybe you can. I can't. I haven't nailed it. I'm just saying that sometimes that we then must get to this understanding that these, whatever it may be, that these are people within our neighborhood. The people that I have chosen to ignore. 
and the people that I truly appoint. You know, um, some people ask, you know, so what's the big thing that many times you learn after coming back from coming in and out of the country or whatever it is? One missionary told me, he's like, Adrian, actually what you do, it seems harder than even uh, just going down to a country and staying. And maybe Brother DeWitt could even speak to this, you know, going different places and whatnot and coming in and out of the country and stuff. I'll tell you what's really the most difficult portion upon it is that the statement so rings true that the devil is the master of making us care about things that do not matter. And sometimes we come to church and it's like the things that matter the most to us don't matter. Like... I just came, like, in March 28th. I'm outside helping people get chairs together for a service under a tree so that we can be able to have enough chairs. Then I come back to the United States, March, April 1st, and we're arguing about the pixelation of the screen. Look, I understand this is a different culture. I'm not trying to judge culture versus culture here, but I'm just pointing out that we do have to sometimes hit a reset button and just make sure. Yep. That what we truly care about is what God cares about the most. Amen. Amen. And I can promise you this. If the summation of the law is loving God and loving your neighbor, then I think I'm pretty much on the Bible, Bible authority to say, the people I abhor and the people I ignore are people in my neighborhood. Yes. We pray together. As we have this time that we pray, time of reflection, I, I just wanted to be this. Yes, like we have this time, and maybe the musicians play, maybe they won't. But, but can we do this before we take off, and before somebody asks you how your week went, and you know how things are at the house? Before we do that, can we just take one moment to talk to our Creator? Can we take one moment to talk about our Savior? I tell you honestly, if He's not your Savior, my friend, I'll tell you that you can have a living hope. Through Jesus Christ. I don't know you. I don't know many, many things about many people inside this room. But I can tell you what. I do know there's a Savior who loves you and has died for you. If there be any question about that whatsoever. It would be my honor. To be able to talk to you about what it means to be saved from your sin. As a child of God. I believe it would be honorable to hear his word. And then we just meditate. I know sometimes silence is awkward for us. We want a phone going. We want some music going. Get that podcast up. No, let's just hush. For just a moment. And say, God, I, I don't even think about people in foster care. I don't even think about people that are trafficked. I don't think about those that are extreme poverty. Like, I don't even think about it. Bro, they're in our neighborhood. They're in our neighborhood. Hey, you're going to get playing whatever you choose. And just have this time that we have just to pray. Let's talk to our Savior. And maybe in this Christmas conference, a good way to get started off is just understand that there could be blinders and blind spots about people that maybe we have not thought through about them. As we, as we pray tonight, and if you have your family here, why don't you gather your family together and pray together? Go ahead, boys and girls, find your moms, find your dads. Husbands and wives may pray together. Maybe there's a brother and sister in Christ in here and you would pray with each other And let's just take some time like Adrian said and say God who is the person that you want me to pray for? 
And I know you can pray by yourself and that's okay, but there's just something about two or three gathered together and, and praying before the Lord. So and just let the Spirit lead. Would you pray? My kids, come up here with me and we'll pray with Mom up here. But let's just spend a few minutes and seek the Lord tonight. so good to us. Lord, I was convicted tonight of, Lord, just life gets busy and we focus on our needs and what we have to do. I just thank you for the, the word and the messenger tonight. Lord, what a great way to just to focus our hearts. And I pray that you'd work in each, Lord, I, I pray that sometimes, Lord, I, I just need you to soften my heart. But I don't always feel that care and compassion. So Lord, we just pray that you'd soften us and break up the fallow ground. Pray that you'd put us in a place where we are able to hear you speak. 
We love you. We praise you. We just ask that you would use this church. Use us, Lord, to make an impact in this community and around the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you just sing this chorus, hallelujah, praise the one. You know how, you know the chorus, and Gideon will probably find it. Hallelujah, praise the one. Amen. What a tragedy to have found the hope of Jesus and never share it with anyone. And so I just, let's be praying that God would speak to our hearts. Well, it's been a great first night. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Amen. And uh, just, just thank you, Adrian, for letting the Lord speak through you. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.